Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? Just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of the Seattle Sounders. You know who he is. Brian how are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. Joined today is Sam Rowan of 86 Forever. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. We were just chatting about the heat and yeah, starting to feel a little bit. And I think the players uh, coming up on Saturday here, they're going to feel it too, but otherwise can't complain. Well, that's, I'm curious, like our, like this is going to be, it's, it's funny because in my mind, this weather, this heat is a huge deal because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not from here, but I'm from the West coast where we just don't get heat like this. Right. Like I grew up with no air conditioning and all these kinds of things. And, uh, but a lot of these players, like when we talked to Shane O'Neill today and he's like, well, I mean, I spent a few seasons in Orlando. This is nothing. Uh, so what's, what's the sense that you get do, are the, are the white caps worried about this at all? Is it something that is like, eh, it's his MLS every year we play games in hundred degree weather. Yeah. I think it's more the second one, especially, you know, there, there maybe is a conversation and a concern when it's in the humidity, I think that can be more taxing on players. This obviously, yeah, for us, uh, you know, Pacific Northwesters, maybe not as comfortable with it. But I mean, you look at both rosters, but obviously I know the Whitecaps more intimately. A lot of South American, Central right. American transplants, they're not going to be unfamiliar with that sort of thing. So I think they'll probably feel right at home. But I guess, you know, some of the Americans, some of the Canadians, on the roster sure might be a bit of an adjustment but it is the same for everyone and you know right. they play in CONCACAF they play in for their country or in Champions League and they're it won't be their first rodeo yeah and it, it is funny it's two teams that are in very similar boats it's not like it's not like the Houston Dynamo are coming to town or it's and it's different than when the Sounders or Whitecaps go to like the Southern States and they're playing in this in, insane heat that they're not training in. So everyone's kind of like to the degree that there's a disadvantage, I suppose from a pure playing perspective, uh, maybe there isn't that it's not that big of a deal, but uh, I'm a little, I'll be honest. I'm a little surprised that they aren't at this point, not seriously talking about moving the match. I would have figured a couple hours, like I was looking at the weather forecast. If they moved it back two hours, they'd be looking at, you know, a pretty significant, like six degree difference at kickoff. But, um, you know, uh, as it is, we're, we're going to probably be in the in the 90s and it's going to be pushing a record for a Sounders home game. It's unclear if, you know, the, the record is something like 91 degrees. These are all probably gibberish numbers to you. Right. Um, I'm trying to doing, think what doing the conversions in my head. Really OK, correct, good. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we'll see. It's going to be it'll be an interesting one. But more uh, more interestingly. Uh, the Whitecaps come into this one in a bit of a slide. Uh, five straight losses. Uh, they, they've, they I think they're on a 10-game road win. I mean, I guess they're all road games these days, but 10 games in a row where they were the designated road team that they've lost. Uh, 
what what's the what's the vibe like right now with the Whitecaps? Or how are they? Is it is are they as bad as their record suggests? Yeah, I mean, you you rack up statistics like that when you're not a very good soccer team, right? That's the that's the unfortunate fact of the matter, and particularly it's been the the inability to create anything outside of set pieces that's been the real challenge. You had a couple matches early in the year where it was tight and low scoring, and they they managed to be on the right end of that or at least get a point. That has now completely dried up, and you know if you're Whitecaps, you're heading into you know the juggernauts of MLS right now, and it couldn't come at a worse time. It feels like. Uh, you hear whether it's uh, Brian Schmetzer or whether it's Mark Dos Santos going into this match. Everyone seems to know it's the the David versus Goliath. The Whitecaps have had a bit of a habit. I think back to 2019 and 2020, they played really tough against LAFC when they were at their heights, um, managed a 1-0 result at home. So there is a little bit of that in the locker for this Whitecaps team that they can sometimes produce something out of nothing, even at their lowest point. But I mean, yeah, short of set pieces, I don't really see how the Whitecaps stick in this one. And, you know, from from the perspective in Vancouver, as much as you think about Rui Diaz, you think about Yao Paulo, Seattle's been really good defensively. And that doesn't bode well for a Whitecaps team that doesn't create a lot. I, they fare a far better chance against someone like the Galaxy who they just played, where the Galaxy can create, obviously, but it's kind of wide open at the back. And... You saw late in that Galaxy match that the Whitecaps, all of a sudden, they they have this habit for doing this. They struggle and struggle and struggle. They create nothing in the first half. And then all of a sudden, 65th, 70th minute, they find their groove. And all of a sudden, they look like a competent soccer team. Often, it's too little, too late. And I just wonder whether, against a team that's as experienced and well-coached as the Sounders, are they even going to get that stretch? Because... It seems like Seattle's given away nothing so far this year. Like I know you were tweeting out the stats, expected goals of RSL, and it's like, man, there's nothing there to be had. And we just saw Krylock and Rusnak rip the Whitecaps to shreds and then go and see what they did against Seattle. So it's, it's not encouraging, but as I mentioned, they do have a little bit of a habit of all of a sudden flipping the script. So that's, I guess, the semblance of hope that Whitecaps fans have in this match. So you look at this last game against LA and, and- they got what seemed to be a real, maybe a potential momentum changing goal. 92nd minute, they, they get the equalizer. And then a minute later, they give up the, the winner. Uh, what, what, I mean, how, how big of a blow is that? Is it, is it maybe not that big? I, I, what, what's, what was the, the attitude around the team after that one? Yeah, I, I guess it would be, it would almost be a bigger blow if, you hadn't kind of seen things like this happening before. You couldn't anticipate it coming. I think the reaction on Whitecaps Twitter was like, okay, how are we going to get our hearts broken now? You know, there's there's an immediate sense of something else is going to happen. This match isn't over. And it's just, it's this thing that's been happening all year where overall, actually defensively, the Whitecaps have been all right. Like it's not... They're not leading the league, but they're they're about league average in a lot of defensive categories, which for a team at the bottom of the table is not bad. But then you saw Andy Rose, who a lot of Sounders fans will be familiar with, you know, is now playing at center back, just kind of on the second phase, a soft header back to the top of the box, just completely unclaimed. He, he could have played it out of play into touch for a corner. He could have played it to the sideline, but for whatever reason in the moment, 
it just lobs to the end of the box. And then Alvarez is able to take it uh, on his first or second touch. And it was a, a wonderful piece of quality, but that's been this white caps team offensively. They don't create defensively. They're good for the most part, but there's these momentary lapses. And yeah, so you look at, you know, Chigarito and you look at Alvarez, two moments of, of quality. One moment, maybe it's a little slip up by the white caps defensively. And next thing you know, it's a two, one match. So they don't have that margin for error. Like there's a lot of teams in MLS that they have a number 10 or they have an incredibly diverse attack or they have a really good keeper. They have, they have these things that can help them just overcome their deficiencies. The Whitecaps need everything to work perfectly in order to win a match. And that's just not a realistic expectation in MLS most of the time. And that's why we're seeing the results that we've seen so far this year. So this is a team that doesn't spend a ton in terms of salary, but they have gone out and spent a lot of money in transfers. I want to say one, it was the most, the most in CONCACAF in the 2020 calendar year. Okay. That's what I thought. I mean, they've spent a lot of money on transfers. What do they have to show for all, all this money they've spent? Well, so this has been a real discussion because people like bringing that up in, in the Vancouver market. I think part of it's very skewed by the fact that, not a lot of teams were spending during COVID sure. and the white caps still had business to do. And so I don't know if they would have been the top spending team in a normal year, but the point remains. I mean, it was a lot of money regardless of, I mean, the fact that it was the most in CONCACAF is yeah. clearly over. It's a, it's a circumstantial thing, but any team in MLS spending tens of millions of dollars yeah. on transfers is notable. Well, for a long time, the, the catchphrase was spend the Davies money. Right. But that money's gone. Like the twenty oh. million that they had, they have spent it all. And yeah, the question is, where did it go? You know, a million here, two million there on a lot of players that have been, you know, MLS average, MLS replacement quality. If you kind of want to go for a for a baseball type thing, right? They're they're probably a net zero or even maybe a net negative. Not guys, you know, getting you wins above replacement. Even a, even someone like Lucas Cavallini, great. You bring in a target man striker with a really good resume in Mexico. But if you provide him no service, he's not a guy that holds the ball up. He's not a guy that comes deep and creates on his own. He's a he's a poacher. He's a finisher. And if you don't maximize that, then what did you spend six million dollars on, right? And that's kind of been the story throughout. Is you have Ali Adnan who spent a couple million on and can't get the visa to go through to, to get him to play. Now, obviously that's not entirely down to the white caps alone, but it's just been a lot of, they bring in good players or players that at least on paper, the resume seems to work, but it's, it's the gelling of those pieces together. It's bringing them through in a coherent system that's been lacking. And there's a lot of discussion about whether or not Mark DeSantos will continue not necessarily just because of his qualities as a manager, but also maybe it's time for a new voice. Maybe Axel Schuster, who's the sporting director, the you know the general manager, CEO, all of that, might not see eye to eye. They've they've added in recruitment and they've started to kind of tweak the way they bring in players. And I'm not sure if that lines up perfectly with Dos Santos's coaching style. And we, for whatever reason, he there's kind of an impasse between those two. And really until there's another voice, another coach, I don't know how you can see if that's really the problem. That's kind of the difficulty is that DeSantos might be capable of more. The players might be capable of more, but how do you know, unless you try something else? So the thing that's obviously hanging over all of this is that Vancouver, you know, we alluded to this at the beginning, but Vancouver has been playing all their home games this year at RSL, right? 
And they haven't been, they haven't played a home game in Vancouver. I don't know if they even got in a home game last year before the COVID shutdown. They got one. So they, they played one home game in the last, I don't know, two years almost. What's the, 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 and the fact that they're not playing great, there was already this kind of like cloud hanging over the team before they, before the start of last season. Uh, that's been, there's been this tension between the supporters and the team. What is the general mood around everything Whitecaps right now? It's it's tough, and uh, I did a little bit of disservice. They also did play some fanless uh, Canadian series matches. Oh, that's right. In September, that's I mean, right. but again, it's not. It might as well have been in a vacuum. I mean, I was able to be at the matches, but you know, one of maybe a hundred people in attendance that wasn't a member of you know the team staff. So, anyways, uh, and. I just there there is no there's no buzz there's no discussion like Whitecaps land to a certain extent is other than the diehard supporters other than the people that follow the team there's not a lot going on and it's just because Vancouver was already a market where the fan base is is very fickle at times and if the team's not having success it's like ah who cares I'll pick them up next year. Um, Vancouver just in general is it's a competitive market in the summer for leisure activities. One of those leisure activities is going to a Whitecaps match with friends. But I think for a good chunk of the population, a good chunk of the fan base, even it's, it's that it's a recreation activity. It's not a diehard. I live and die. Everything that happens with this team. There's certainly a, a section of fans like that, but yeah, it's, it's it feels like it's dwindling. It felt like it was dwindling before COVID happened. You saw season ticket numbers go down pretty severely when they were just kind of wandering about in the, the abyss that was the 2019 season. That did a lot of damage, and they've never really had the chance to recover from that. So it's a it, like it's a, I think it's a real concern if you're at the Whitecaps, what kind of reception are you going to receive when you're eventually back in Vancouver? And then in terms of the RSL thing, I mean, last year was was a horror show. Portland was not in a good place when they were in Portland. They were quarantined in a hotel. Um, MLS is back. I don't think they they enjoyed or loved because they were missing a bunch of guys in their squad. This year, honestly, in terms of grinding out results, in terms of being competitive, I think they've had it really good. I mean, Salt Lake was in a better place COVID-wise earlier than BC was. So that was a benefit. They could do more with their families. Their families were down there Mm. Uh, in terms of travel. I mean, Salt Lake's a way better place to play in the Western conference travel wise than Vancouver. So that's an advantage. You're not crossing the border all the time. I don't think there are a lot of excuses this year in terms of, you know, being able to play and being able to compete, but obviously it, it loses that connection. And the, the problem was that this team was already struggling for that prior to COVID. So I think there might be an initial boost of interest when you can go back to a Whitecaps match and that's that's a novelty. But as soon as that wears off, it's it's going to be very telling the way this team has struggled because I think the, that interest is going to die off pretty quick. What is the prospects for getting Vancouver back or the Whitecaps playing again in Vancouver? I know that they just recently, they allowed the Canadians to cross the border for the Stanley Cup. Uh, we're actually hearing right now about what's going on on Point Roberts, where uh, wa- like the 800 uh, Americans that live there can't 
are basically stranded. So there's clearly some differing values. I, I imagine the Whitecaps are probably closer in priority to Point Roberts than uh, than the Canadians, apparently. But uh, do you have any sense of when play may resume? Yeah, well, the the whole Point Roberts thing for the geography nerds out there that's a that's a fascinating rabbit hole to go down. And... It sure is. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that all day, but no, in terms of the Whitecaps returning, you'd think it would be closer than it is. For whatever reason, the Whitecaps MLS in general, I mean, we could talk about all three Canadian teams, the Impact, TFC, and Vancouver. It's not a top priority. I think the way the Canadian government views it, hey, they're already set up down in the States. Why does this need to be a a priority for us to why is this something we have to fix right now? Whereas mm-hmm. with the Canadians, as soon as the Canadian series ended, all of a sudden the dynamic changed, right? And and also hockey in Canada. I mean, it's just, it is first and foremost in terms of kind of the sporting interest and hockey has political pull in Canada. MLS soccer does not have political <laughs> pull. That's, that's the difference, right? Yeah, people, no, sure. people, people can lean on the government from hockey. People can't do that with MLS. Mark Dos Santos, you know, spoke very openly about this the other day and said that, you know, he's not anticipating being back anytime soon. And I thought that was interesting. That is interesting. From what the BC government, they unveiled a bunch of stuff maybe three weeks ago now about the kind of return plan. This is with, you know, with all of a sudden increasing vaccines and a, and a good sense of how things were going to play out. And the target messaging there was home matches for all sports teams with fans in September. Does that mean that in August there's the capability for an exemption to cross the border and play without fans or with more limited fans? It's a possibility, but I would say honestly, you know, looking at the calendar now, I think they're there for at least another month and maybe in August there's some kind of border allowance and then gradually by the time we get to September Maybe we're seeing bums in seats again, but it's Canada's been been pretty cautious with a lot of this stuff, and you know it's uh everything's a little bit of a slower burn here, certainly politically. Like in terms of you know, the U.S., it's like the vaccine comes out and we're rolling it out, and it's just everything a million miles an hour. <laughs> it's Canada, been a breakneck thing here. I yeah, got Canada's a lot more wait. Well, let's think about it, and some of that's good. Some of that's very bureaucratic and kind of slow too. So it has its its upsides and downsides. But yeah, I wouldn't. They're not rushing back here right away, but it will happen at some point this year. So. From a more personal standpoint, what is life getting to be like in Canada right now or in Vancouver? I know, you know, I'm someone who would have gone to at, I was going across the border at least once or twice a year. Uh, I know a lot of people are looking forward to being able to see family on the other side of the border. But what's what is life like for uh, in Vancouver right now? Yeah, uh, it's taken it's taken a big step in the last month, I think, where, you know, masks still very prevalent and social distancing, all those things. And yet, other than that, it kind of feels like life is normal. Prior Mm. to that, I think there is more of a more of a tense air and people are still very uncertain of, you know, was the end really in sight? You see case numbers were still high. And I think a lot of people got concerned when. You know, there's a bit of that competitive factor and you see the U.S. kind of having some success and our numbers were at a worse place than ever. And I think a lot of people were, were worried about that. And then big doses of vaccines hit and 
you know, things rapidly declined. And so now I think people are basically leading their lives normally with some precautions in place. And uh, at the end of the month, there are more kind of lessening of restrictions coming into place that will make it feel even more like normal. And hopefully that goes off without a hitch. So yeah, after, after a long time kind of away from it, it's, it's feeling more normal again and probably more similar to what life is like in the States right now. Yeah, it's been it, uh, it's been, it has been kind of a, a wild ride here because it, it's funny because I remember saying to someone shortly before the season started, I said, you know, I bet you we're going to have we'll have fans in stands at some point this year. And there were fans in the stands of the season opener. And then it was like, yeah. I bet you we're going to have, you know, we're going to be no restrictions by the end of summer. And here we are, July 7th, we're going to be playing no restrictions uh, on fans. So it's it's very surreal. Uh, the way that it's it's progressed here. Uh, but it's good to know that things are returning back to normal. It sounds like restaurants and things like that are at least open. And uh, hopefully one of these days I, I get to go back to Vancouver because it is seriously one of my favorite cities. I've always been amazed at how uh, when you go to games there, how at least around the stadium, it feels very mainstream. Like it feels like like soccer is a thing that people are fluent in when you are at least around BC place, which I think BC place is one of the best, like one of the most underrated locations in all of MLS for a stadium. I think that the location is amazing. I love going to games there, but uh, yeah, well, hopefully we get to, we do some of these in person one of these days. Absolutely. I mean, I, I ha- always have Portland and Seattle circled on the calendar when, when that was a thing. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's not a thing for now, but uh, it's okay. I, I can be patient. And, and usually the matches, you know, come with some extra venom. It doesn't feel like there's much of that anymore. Certainly, certainly not with so much time away, but uh, I know the Whitecaps are getting up for this one, like as a team, despite the fact that they probably don't stand much of a chance. It's a, it's an opportunity to, you know, create a storyline, create some emotion and try to try to build some motivation within the team, which is, it's what they need right now because they just need some kind of spark. You know, I think even a, even a goal against Seattle and you, you take it one, one into the 75th minute could provide some confidence. Yeah. I, uh, I'm always nervous when I see those like plus seven fifty uh, gambling lines, it always fills me with the dread because all year they've been tempting people to bet in the Vancouver white caps. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's um, cause I, my attitude is like, this is MLS. Like you can't be putting seven to one underdogs on anybody, but uh, you know, there's like, there's a lot of weird results in this league, but anyway, uh, it was good talking to you, Sam. Uh, people, where can they follow you guys on, on Twitter and, and everywhere else? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 86 forever on pretty much every platform. So Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, YouTube. Um, and then, yeah, you can find me, my written stuff at 86 forever.com at Samuel underscore rowboat on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy the match. And I don't know if I've come out with an official prediction yet, but we do a little pool within our writers Okay. And everyone had picked LA Galaxy to win, so we got that right. And I, <laughs> I haven't seen a prediction for the Whitecaps in this one yet. I think my scoreline was three nil Seattle because I oh wow I just can't see them scoring. I saw them scoring against the Galaxy because I knew they're a little bit frail defensively. But uh, I just what's the weakness in the Seattle team, right? I mean, is is there a hole to Go be exposed? And uh, hit worldy free kicks apparently is the way to okay. uh, 
And I mean, I will say that offensively, the Sounders, their overall numbers look better than their underlying numbers. They've do converted offense. at like a really impressive rate, which seems a little bit unsustainable, but it's, but it's like high quality players. So part of me right. thinks that it maybe is sustainable. Yeah, it is kind of a, it's a fun, like they haven't hit a bunch. It's not like the goals the Sounders are scoring are these amazing goals, but they are, you know, they've, they've scored on a few rebounds. They've scored on some bad clearances, you know, things that don't always show up that aren't really reflected very well in, in advanced analytics. Uh, and they, they aren't generating a ton of really dangerous opportunities through the run of play. So, I mean, I, I could see this one coming down to set pieces. I, that I don't think that is at, at all like a crazy thing. And the fact that both teams are coming off of, you know, playing three game weeks and playing on short rest. And, you know, so who knows, uh, you know, the Sunders, it, it could be a bit of a leggy one nil. It, it maybe does have some of those vibes, especially does. with the weather as well. Right, exactly. Like I would not at all be surprised to see this one and one zero, uh, as much as uh, that would be not as much fun. But yeah, I could see I could see one zero very realistically. But uh, Sam, thanks for doing this. No worries. Yeah, happy to come on and uh, all the best to you guys down in Seattle. Yeah, you too. Stay safe. Uh, you are listening to the Sounder at Heart podcast.